You're listening to the Dreadcast, episode 83, with special guest Kiko Thorin. This episode of the Dreadcast is brought to you by Pagely, the original WordPress managed host, a leader in the enterprise-level WordPress hosting space. If you're looking for rock-solid WordPress hosting, look no further than Pagely.com. Get ready for the Dreadcast. Your favorite nerds. Brad Williams and Dre Armada bring you high-octane conversations with new guests every week. Covering the latest news, insight on recent events, and interviews with tech titans. Pour yourself a quality cocktail. What kind of software? Dread. Sit back and chill. Because the Dreadcast starts now. And we are back with a special Thanksgiving episode of the Dradcast. Dre, my man. Oh, my gosh. I can't move already. That's like 17 pieces of turkey, some biscuits. I don't know what the hell is going on. How are you, Bradford? I am good. And it is it is Thanksgiving Day when this is being released, right? So, um, ooh, there's that ooh. turkey. I, I, I thought, I, yeah, I, thought <laughs> I got him with the first shot. Oh, well. Oh, that's the most annoying sound I can think of. So there's a, there's a re- yeah, it's a reason these things end up on our plates for Thanksgiving, right? Uh, yeah. They Terrible. need to just stop it. I actually found a uh, recording on YouTube that's 10 hours straight of that. For 10 hours, you can listen to that turkey without having to repeat. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm already sick of it. <laughs> Two minutes. <laughs> oh man, it's great to be back. And a uh, beautiful thing, it is Thanksgiving Day when this episode is being released in the United States. But the beautiful thing about pre-recording is we didn't just do this live. We really we record a day or two early, so that's uh, that's that's pretty slick. Man, telling everybody our secrets already. It's crazy. I meant uh, we just ate and we're getting ready to watch some football. Go Ooh, pack. Yeah. Go pack. So we're back, man. We got a big event coming up next week that we are actually both of us and our guests are going to be at. Yeah, geez, I've been looking forward to it. I mean, we've done, uh, and we talked a bit about it last week, WordCamp US. Um, you know, historically, it's been WordCamp San Francisco. There was a kind of a weird um, aura around it, like, is it a WordCamp? Is it like a big, you know, is it the WordPress conference? Well, I think that we've uh, uh, come to a place where that that's the, you know, that's the case, right? WordCamp US is the US version of, what I think we saw uh, over the last few years with WordCamp Europe, it is going to be the biggest event. At least it's um, setting up to be with, I think, an estimated 2,000 uh, yeah. people attending this year. Yeah, we're looking at 2,000 people, which would be the long, the biggest WordCamp. We talked about it um, on the last episode a little bit, kind of dove into some details. But I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of our old friends there, seeing a lot of new, making a lot of new friends. Um, certainly, if you listen to the show, track us down. We'll probably be the two loud mouths at the bar ordering another round. I choose yeah. where we're at. <laughs> uh, and we, yeah, we'll, we'll take some free rounds if you're uh, interested in hanging out and chatting a bit. I think for me, this is probably at least leading into the event, the closest resemblance to something um, like South by Southwest. I've had probably 26 damn requests for, for uh, uh, networking events and dinners and such over the last few weeks. Not that that's a, a bad thing, but uh, certainly a little different than, than the typical WordCamp. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, just especially being the first one. Like, I know what's going to happen, but I'm sure there's going to be some things that are unexpected. And just to kind of see it all execute and be able to see uh, see your, your pretty mug there and have the drad back together um, is going to be a lot of fun. So definitely look forward to it. Hopefully the weather holds out. We'll see. I even uh, I even trimmed my beard down for you, Ooh, Brad. Nice. A little shaving yeah, buddy. time. I like it. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe I'll shave my head. We'll see. You, you should do it. <laughs> We will see. Well, who we got on the show this week, Mr. Dre? Well, one of my favorite people in the world, not just the WordPress community, but um, a a real leader, kind of someone that's really motivating, uh, I think, folks to discuss business, grow business, and to really educate each other, help each other through the the early stages of what you might find uh, starting your own venture. Um, Kiko is is a military veteran, so uh, someone close to our heart in that regard, a brother, uh, in arms for sure. For me, another similarity and thing that we we love and uh, and hold true to our heart is he's also a jujitsu practi- practitioner. Um, he's uh, a three stripe blue belt, in fact, and uh, and just an all around badass. Uh, Kiko Dorn, uh, which uh, you may know from uh, the um, uh, event circuit around P- Prestige Conf. Uh, he attends other other conferences you might have seen him at, and uh, geez, I, I can't wait to talk to him. 
Nice, nice. And there he is. Hey, Mr. Doran. <laughs> that, was a, that was a pretty nice little intro, Dre. I'm going to have to hire you to That was good, considering all we have written down is guest intro. I like it. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> uh, Dre's like my he's like my brother from another mother. The more I get to know about him, I realize we're like kind of the same have the same brain, I think. That's uh it, that's scary to be honest. It's, yeah. it's, it's really interesting, odd, but but really interesting. <laughs> now if you could just say Oh wait. I should probably turn that back up. Hi there. I'm Dre Armada. <laughs> <laughs> you start saying that and we might have a problem. <laughs> It's funny, and the more I hang out with BMS, I feel like that with him too. I think, but I think he's kind of cut from the same cloth as Dre and I. He's he's on his jujitsu journey now too. So yeah, he's uh, uh, Brian Messalina, one of the co-founders of Webdesk Studios over there in New Jersey. Both of you guys um, rocking some really cool stuff with the WordPress meetups too. Yeah, yeah, it's very. Cool it's been very cool getting to know him. Yeah, this guy with uh, now uh, he he earned his first stripe last month, so he's been on the mat a little while, and that's. It's exciting to see. It's uh, uh, jujitsu is a game changer. Hopefully, we'll get uh, Brad out there one day. Yeah. He's... What, 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 let me ask. So, what is the draws in terms of uh, jujitsu? Is it the uh, the learning? Is it the the release of just kind of getting sweaty? And and I mean, what is it? What does it pull that pulls both you guys in? And, and honestly, a lot of people that I've noticed in the tech scene are, are really kind of in into the BJJ scene. I think for different people, it brings different things. Uh, one of the schools I go to when I'm in Minnesota, they always explain it, that people come for three reasons. They either come for self-defense, they come to like get in shape, lose weight, or they come for competition to be fighters or whatever it is. But people are fueled by different things. But what I always tell people is no matter what you need, jiu-jitsu is there to give it to you. So if you just go there, you'll find whatever it is that you need. Sometimes you don't even know what it is that you need, but it'll be there to give it to you. So it sounds a lot like religion, which is crazy, but it's kind of what it is. It's kind of what it is, but it is uh, in a way just, uh, I mean, extremely pacifying in the sense of uh, here, here's, a, here's a, uh, I think a good uh, adage you should, you should think by. I go to jiu-jitsu to choke people so I don't choke people <laughs> right and i so, think at different times in your life it gives you different things like there's times like when you are feeling stressed that it's nice to go have that like stress relief yep but like what brought me to it was that like the the mind game of it is it's really like the, a lot of people call it human chess and when you think about it mm -hmm. that way it's it's like i just go there and like try to figure out this puzzle and it's like a decision tree thing and i try to get better and faster at it every time i go yeah. and try to beat the people that when I first showed up, everybody was beating me, and you try to beat people once in a while. You know, the first time you beat anybody is like a you know an amazing day. And that but, you know that I think might be one of the the probably one of the big draws, uh, especially in the kind of the tech scene that a lot of the people we hang out with because we like puzzles, right? We like challenges. Um, really, anyone who's into web, uh, that is, yeah, I think, something definitely. that draws them is that challenge of of what is it they're trying to accomplish and how can they figure that out and learn new things. And it sounds like there's some similarities there. But, but it can exercise with it at the same time too. Right. Yeah. Good exactly. It, it manifests itself physically, right? So it's like that total head game of coming in, and figuring out that puzzle in a physical way, but without the brain, without the 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 knowledge, and that uh, I mean, you can't lie on the mat, right? It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, you can't go out there and fake it. It is what it is, right? So that mental piece of putting together and stringing together sequences and 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 you know. Um, technique and transitions it's it's that physical manifestation of that that you know chess game that you're playing mm -hmm. it's crazy yeah and it it, is. like i think like when you look at learning too it once you like i read a book about learning and they talked about the fact that like most people will never be a black belt at anything in their lives very few people achieve black belt in anything but once you achieve a black belt in one thing you've learned how to learn you've learned how to go through the dips you know and where you feel like you're not learning anything and you just lose perspective. And it's just that like 10,000 kind of concept, just put in a lot of time and, and, you know, really be conscientious of doing it persistency, right? Over time. And you'll get good at anything. If you just stick at it, stick with it. You got to put in the sweat, right? Yeah. It's uh you know, 10 years from now, you'll be somewhere. Why not be a jujitsu black belt too? I I'm, I'm down. Let's do this. Or you'd be yeah. uh Turkey hunter. <laughs> you could you could be both even. You could be a turkey with a black belt, probably. Probably. Yeah, you, Actually, yeah. if you uh, one of the great one of my favorite Thanksgiving movies is a is a little known movie called Thanksgiving, and it's about a turkey that goes on a 
a killing rampage to kind of get back at, at humanity for, uh, you know, killing turkeys for hundreds and thousands of years. So um, if you get the opportunity to, to watch this classic, it is, I don't know if I'd say it's well worth it, but it's an experience. It's an experience. Check out Thanks Killing, um, and you get to see a little bit of tur- turkey killing action uh, opposite than what you'd expect. So um, it's a classic. Yeah, that's that sounds amazing. <laughs> segway, segway out of that one, Dre. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so back to this jujitsu thing. Now, now, in, in earnest, uh, you know, thinking about jujitsu and how it's transformed me—not just physically, but my mental state, uh, the strate- strategic nature to it, and how I think about things uh, in general, life, uh, business, uh, my all-around well-being. How has it? How has it changed you? How has it maybe uh, translated in your everyday, Kiko? Oh man, it translated in my everyday and it's like too many ways to try to explain. Like physically, I was in the worst shape of my life when I found jiu-jitsu. I was 37 years old when I started it and I was about 260 pounds probably. And I I was like, I was so heavy that I wouldn't get on the scale to even know what I weighed because I was like embarrassed by it. And then I found jiu-jitsu and I just like felt that like melt away and that gave me like my first reassurance. I was always an athlete growing up, but then after getting out of the military and becoming self-employed, it was hard. I was living in Minnesota too. It would get dark at three o'clock in the afternoon in the winter <laughs> and be, you know, 40 degrees below. I just, and the idea of like getting on like a hamster wheel and running on a treadmill just had like zero appeal to me. And I would get on there and all I would, like, I was trying to find ways to distract myself. Like, oh, I'll watch a movie while I run or I'll, you know, listen to a podcast while I run or whatever. But it was not none of it was challenging my mind the way that I needed to be challenged for me to stay interested in it. And jujitsu was the thing that did that for me. It could have probably been any martial art. I think that, you know, if I would have met Bruce Lee, that would have been, you know, the thing that I would have done. It was like just the perfect thing at the perfect time for me, got me in shape, but also brought like a lot of routine to my life because like some people will say like, oh, jujitsu gym, it's so expensive. It's like, you know, some of them are $200 a month. It sounds ridiculous. I could go join, you know, Anytime Fitness for $20 a month. But what they don't get is that you're getting like personal training every single time you go there. There's yep. a coach there helping you and helping you like be better at jujitsu, but helping you be a better human being too. So it, you know, it's, it just helps you in so many ways. But having that time that you have to be there, like, all right, classes at noon, so I got to be there at noon. It brought routine to my life that maybe didn't have very good routine because I was a guy working at home that really made it hard for me to have that routine. It's it just, I don't know, I tend to work later in the evening. It's just I let my body kind of wake up when it wakes up and then I go to jujitsu and then I work more of like a swing shift, but that's more natural for me. But you know, yeah. like a lot of things in my life and uh, I have a very similar story. Everybody's heard it. I've, I shit, I don't. I don't stop talking about it because it certainly has has uh, transformed me over the last few years since I started. But I find that like a lot of my my work stuff um, and and other things that I really love and I'm passionate about, I can't get it out of my head. I mean, it's from the moment I wake up, I sleep, and I dream about it. It's during the day I'm thinking about technique. I'm thinking about making my technique better. Um, it's like this constant in my life, right? In a positive light. So if there's, I'm already an addictive personality. That's one of the things that I have to live. That's a reality that that I live with every day. But to take this, this thing that's now in my life, this positive way of living, um, this martial art and being addicted to that, I don't think it's necessarily a damn bad thing, man. No, I mean, and I think jujitsu, because you don't make your living there, it gives you balance in your life because you get away from it and you do what you have to do to, to get through life. But it probably could be bad if that's all you did too. Like you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be very good with people, which obviously you are, but like people who were just at the gym all the time, maybe they wouldn't be that great at like having conversations, but, but probably not because jujitsu is a conversation too. It's just, you know, a nonverbal conversation. Certainly is. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, if you translate that into your own kind of, uh, place in life, find your jujitsu, find your balance, uh, find your way to, uh, to, to, to make yourself better every day. And, um, and that's, that's really where I feel I'm at today because of jujitsu. Yeah, without a doubt. I just wish I would have found it earlier, but you know, at least I found it. That's my only regret. It's not starting earlier. hundred percent. Jeez, this, the, I could talk about this all day. In fact, we have, we could probably get into like uh like straight up technique here in a minute. So we probably <laughs> should move on because we've got a lot of awesome stuff to talk about. Brad, uh, what are you thinking here, brother? 
Stand by. Pressing topics of the week. And you're on. You're right. There is a lot of stuff to talk about this week. So I think one of the ones that uh, a very interesting topic that actually just came out. It's hot off the presses. Um, I wouldn't call it breaking news, but it's uh, just released yesterday. Is automatic unveils a new open source WordPress.com desktop application for the Mac. Um, they released uh, yesterday. Matt wrote a post, kind of a, the official announcement, um, on his blog over ma.tt. And if you haven't seen this, it's essentially they've built a, a Mac application, um, which is completely written entirely in JavaScript using Node and React libraries, um, and is 100% reliant on APIs to interact with uh, with WordPress. So either WordPress.com or you can actually use it to interact with your self-hosted WordPress.org sites if you're running the Jetpack plugin and have enabled those features. Uh, it's it's it opens up a lot of questions and and it's actually a very interesting topic um, around kind of the future of WordPress. But initial thoughts, guys. I mean, what do you think when you first saw this announcement? For me, I saw that like I didn't see the announcement first. I just saw it. it was like everybody from the JavaScript community kind of like blew up and was like, "Oh my god!" It was like the laugh of the century. Like WordPress was rewritten in JavaScript. That's like all I saw. Like what what's going on? And then when I read about it, you know, it seemed like everybody was kind of making a mountain out of a molehill, really. And what I see this thing as is I see it's like a great proof of concept of what you can do with the REST API, and that's what everybody's been looking for. Like show us a great example. And I think this is a this is a pretty good start to that. I think it is a, a good start. I think it's been a long time coming uh, in terms of uh, I think the history behind uh, the desktop interaction with WordPress and what it can become. I think this is one example. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of cool things to come from this. And uh, you know, it's a I think it is a leadership leadership approach to what can happen with WordPress. Uh, but it certainly isn't uh, for me. It isn't this crazy. Oh gosh, I, I'm going to go use this today. Probably not um, that that uh, big a deal for me. It might be very valuable for others, uh, but certainly shows the power uh, of the REST API and what can be done with WordPress for years to come. I think it raises a question for me too about like the democratization of publishing. Like it's sort of weird to go to like a closed platform when you're trying to democratize publishing. And that's the only question it really brings about for me. But I see it from a business perspective that it's really the way that Automatic had to pivot. But I, I don't know. I think they made it open source, which is which was, you know, they needed to do that because otherwise it would really look a little fishy. Like, hey, we're going to this, you know, container of a Mac platform. It's, you know, it's not no longer really the open web. And I think they so they kind of had to make it open source, but I don't think it's really going to be something that people are going to use. I think it's people will come up with their own, you know, processes for that unless they really clean it up and make it like more of the way WordPress's templated solutions have been in the past if they did something more like that. But I don't see that happening. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. You say that people won't use it, but in what context? For me, I think people on WordPress.com will use it just fine. Obviously, oh, yeah, those people on that will platform. use it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, but yeah. Look, look at the look at the competitors that they're targeting, what they're doing, and the interfaces that they're using. We were, I mean, lackluster. We still are in a lot of instances when it comes to WordPress and its interaction, its user experience as a whole. So their user base there on WordPress.com, certainly, I think uh, it makes sense. It's going to continue maybe not to attract, uh, but to make sure that their their uh, washout rate isn't, isn't super huge, right? Because they're seeing these other platforms come out and that interaction is there and it makes sense. Um, I think it was a, a, a logical move. Uh, so from that perspective, I think it, it doesn't change much. I think it's just going to retain more folks. But I, I do re- agree with you that in the context of users outside of that WordPress.com bubble, I just don't see a huge adoption. I, I mean, I totally agree about the dot-com users will love it. I, the self-hosted users, I, I think it's it's a long road ahead to get that adoption. Um, and maybe that isn't the goal, right? Maybe the goal is just with WordPress.com, and that's just an added bonus. But I think it is a long road ahead because of those, you, you, exactly what you guys are saying, you know, those, the custom setups. You know, I've seen mention of plugins and how those are going to interact with this. Um, they don't right now, uh, for the most part. You know, I'm sure there's ways you can look to bring some things in. But right now, a lot of the plugins, especially the, the, the more advanced ones, aren't going to work with this. And plugins that people need to use, you know, with their content. I think, I mean, it's honestly, it's, it's in one hand, it's really cool because I love seeing the idea of, of kind of an application that is interacting with WordPress completely external to WordPress, all through APIs. 
that is, I think many of us agree that that is probably the future of WordPress. Um, I'm one of them. I think, I don't think, I think the dashboard is going to be something you don't often manage your, whatever it is, your, your website, your application, your mobile app. Um, I don't think the dashboard is going to be where people do most of that in the future. I think it's going to be customized applications like this that are built to do exactly what you want to do with your site, that you manage your entire site through an external application, um, making WordPress more like an app framework um, where it just kind of powers the front-end display piece. Um, very interesting, though. I mean, it's cool to see Automatic get behind this. It'll be really cool to see how this grows, you know, over the years. Totally agree. But I think that we're going to see a lot of competitive, you know, competitor kind of pieces to this as well. I hope so. I hope we do. I mean, to be honest, this, if, if anyone's looking in the premium market space, this is one of the, going to be one of the biggest opportunities out there is apps like this, that, um, you know, this is a brand new market. So there's really not much out there, but yeah, very customized apps that do very specific things that interact with the APIs. Um, that is almost, that's a whole new market now that the rest API is coming into WordPress. That we're going to have to exist. see some we're going to have to see some pivots too, like on the hosting side of the house. Everybody has moved to these, you know, virtual WordPress hosting kind of setups. Well, it's going to be, we're going to have to deal with how are we going to, how are we going to create these apps on top of that? And where are we going to, how are we going to serve them? I don't think the host companies have really set that up well for that. You know, it's funny because we can go back to the first episode of last year, 20, um, uh, actually the beginning of 2015. So the beginning of this year and um, it's season two uh, of Dragcast. And one of the things that we talked about was predict predictions for the year. And I, I think if I if I recall, and I don't have the sound clip, we could certainly uh, drum it up for future episodes. But one of the things that I talked about was WordPress becoming this this thing with that's very similar to an operating system which is in line with what Matt Mullenweg talked to years ago about the web OS and such, but these plugins and all these pieces that tie in and, and extend WordPress become uh, dependencies. So now there are these packages very, very similar to Linux. Uh, and I think that that model is kind of what you're starting to see. And eventually, you're right, I think that you'll start to see the hosting providers become more of this like nucleus with the WordPress as its core operating system and then these um, uh you know, packages that get installed, these dependencies to build in your unique experience for WordPress based on different criteria. It could be um, that you're, you're a local lawyer or you've got, you know, these specific e-commerce needs, but whatever the case, you build uh, your specific breakdown of WordPress, uh, you know, depending on what your need for WordPress is uh, to serve to your public. And that's what I see is the opportunity here is that somebody can build something just like they've built for WordPress.com. And now you have the ability to create your own platform for plugins, for themes. You have the ability to do this yourself, and they've just showed you how to do it because they are. They do do plugins. They do do themes. But I haven't said, seen that. You said doo-doo. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen that talked about either. So there were a lot of people that made a, a hefty sum of money from being like developers to create themes for WordPress.com. I wonder how that's changed for them. Sure. No, that's an interesting point. I'm still. I'm going to go back to. I'm going to side sideline that for a second and and talk about the name Calypso because it, if I'm not mistaken, that was from Homer's Odyssey, right? And you're talking about if I if I recall, Calypso kept Ulysses prisoner for seven years. So what the hell does that mean in terms of the name? What's the name play here? Oh man, hmm. we're, we're, we're <laughs> philosopher Dre over here. I guess that's uh, uh... just saying. <laughs> I was thinking about the name. I didn't. I didn't actually look up the uh, the origins of it. Um, it is an interesting name. I think that it's. I, I think it's a memorable name. You know, I don't know if it's. I feel like it's one of those things they probably spent a lot, a lot of time figuring out what should we call this thing, um, and that's what they came up with. But I don't know. You think it has a deeper meaning than just an interesting name that people can probably remember? Yeah, it has to, right? It has to. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. But as I read it on Wikipedia, it, it makes you wonder a little bit. Hmm. It's all about churn rate, man. You get retention. So we're, they're going to hold us prisoner for seven years. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, the democratizing of the web, right? Yeah. Interesting, Interesting. to note. What, what are your thoughts on the fact that it was released for Mac versus starting in the PC area first? I mean, obviously, we know that... I mean, we know, like, in the tech scene, I think there's a lot more Mac users, um, or at least it's definitely growing a lot in the past few years. Um, but overall, it's still a much smaller percentage than the PC market share and Windows. Um, you think it's just purely based on the fact that more people at Automatic run Macs, or is there something more to that? 
I think it, more people have Macs, and if you have a Mac, you're, I think there's going to be more people capable of writing like Objective C kind of things than are going to probably be doing like whatever you need to do for Android C Sharp or whatever it is. Yeah, I, don't know, I thought people it was just understand that ecosystem better. I don't know. It is it is an interesting point though because like look at our parents, but also who is their target market? They're going for a, a younger person that's trying to. Well, that is the, that is the question: is that if the target market's a WordPress.com, you know, blogger, you know, are they on Mac PCs? And my guess is they probably have a lot of stats around that on WordPress.com. So I w- I'm sure they probably uh, that weighed in on their decision, um, you know, to go Mac first. And you know, hopefully they do roll out a Windows version eventually. I think I saw. I think Chris Lemma t- like had written up something that he's testing a beta version for Windows or something. Oh. Wow. Cool. So I guess it is in the works. So it's probably just uh, a little behind. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I mean, it's it's cool they open sourced it. Uh, like I said, it'll be fun to see this kind of grow and see what direction it takes. Um, one of the areas that is um, that maybe it's quickly overlooked is the fact that it runs off the REST API, but it runs off the Jetpack plugin REST API on the self-hosted, which it's not the REST API that is being rolled in the core of WordPress. Um, so what that means is you have to run the Jetpack plugin. Now there was mention that over time they will they will port it over to the core REST API, but it sounds like it's a little bit limiting in, in its feature set right now for what they're trying to do. So um, you are kind of stuck with Jetpack at this point to use this. Um, if and that's want. why that's why nobody's going to use it. I mean, who wants to tie themselves to these extra dependencies? You know, like we're talking about, nobody wants to do that. So people will just do this themselves. I think anybody that's that's prone to do this, they'll just do their own thing. And I think they just had to open source it. Yeah, we'll definitely keep a close eye on it. Um, it's it's very cool, though, because I think it, it helps legitimize the uh, the importance of kind of the REST API and what that means for WordPress as a project in the future of WordPress. A company like Automatic kind of going all in and something like this, um, I mean, just speaks volumes of the way we should all be looking at, the, at this and, and how it is a game changer. I mean, the game has changed, right? So... If you're not watching this, you're going to be behind the times very quickly. Well, the game's changing all around, and I think that's well beyond WordPress as well. When you start to look at things like Drupal and Drupal 8 that just released, um, geez, 200 new features and improvements. They're coining themselves a favorite open source, open source content management uh, platform, and uh, they're, they're really targeting small businesses, enterprise, the whole nine, just like WordPress is starting to in terms of uh, the business side of, of WordPress uh do do we see a, a major change or shift here um because of drupal's new um you know kind of overall platform at use use and capabilities yeah this is a monster release i mean drupal eight um i guess yeah i i mean to your point yeah absolutely i mean i you know it's this is a release that's been in the works for about four years um and as a WordPress guy specifically it's hard for me to wrap my head around that. You know, a major version took four years to build. Um, it seems like it's practically a rewrite, though. It's like yeah, I mean, that is so many things. That is the develop. That is the biggest difference between a project like Drupal and a project like WordPress is the fact that Drupal makes no guarantees on maintaining backwards compatibility. I yeah, think release cycles are totally different. Release yeah. cycles are totally different. Just the the kind of the way they manage projects is a completely different philosophy. Um, and it works. I mean, Drupal is, you know, is a, is a great platform. If you've ever worked with Drupal, it's insanely flexible. It's insanely powerful. Um, it dominates certain markets, government being one of them, um, in terms of open source platforms. Um, it's, I mean, it's a really good product. So it's, it's, it's cool to see Drupal 8 out the door, um, especially after, you know, they spent four years on it. So now the big question is, you or the, the, the big concern I think a lot of people are probably saying is that the, I was looking at dates on the release cycle, and Drupal 6 end of life will be coming up in February um, of 2016, which is only a few months out. And Drupal 6 was probably one of the most popular releases ever. And there is not a great upgrade path. <laughs> well, I mean, and this, I mean, they're really boasting around native support for integrations of rest, RESTful web uh, services, mm-hmm. API first publishing, right? So really concentrating what looks to be you know those integration points with larger scale kind of integrations uh performance to scalability type stuff so maybe it's uh not going to be such a such a big threat in terms of market share to wordpress and uh regular everyday user yeah i, I mean we're it's... seeing it all change though i think it's all changing when you look at what automatic did with the with the calypso i think it's a it's a shift that like drupal and wordpress are now going to be more like 
like you said, like frameworks, but I, I think of them also as like interfaces to the PHP my admin. Like they're in some ways, it's just how we put the content in, but. The, what we're going to see on top of them are going to be what I think really drives what people use because I think the hosts are going to take care of this part of it. This is going to be more of a given, I think. Mm-hmm. It's so funny fame. when you, you mentioned some of the features, right? And if you kind of go down the list and look at some of the larger features, you start to see some similarities and say, oh, yeah, well, you know, especially we're, you know, we're obviously more focused on WordPress and you see, oh, yeah, well, that looks a lot like WordPress or that's something WordPress has. And I think it's the same on the other side of the table. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, they're moving towards at- parity. Yeah, I mean, it's Matt yeah. mentioned something in the state of the word. It was either last year or the year before how, you know, the, Drupal always had a big focus on um, flexibility, extendability, and not a big focus on UI. And, and it, WordPress was actually the other way around where their big focus was UI, UX, um, and not so much the extendability initially. This was early on with both projects. And now they're kind of, you know, both realizing areas that they needed to work on over the years, and they're starting to get closer in terms of the goal, like I know Drupal's had a big push in UI UX because if you worked with Drupal 6, 5 or 6, 7 got a little better. I think 8's a lot better. Um, the UIs were, they weren't easy. They weren't intuitive for people to use. Like you try to train a, you know, a small business on a, how to how to run a Drupal site that you built. Um, and it wasn't that intuitive. And the small business doesn't have the money to pay you to build, a, you know, this beautiful custom backend workflow. Um, they're more focused on the front end, right? And the design and the, the front end view. So, um, but I know that's been a big focus on the last few releases of Drupal is kind of focusing on that UI and UX. I would say that I would say that that's one of the tough things with WordPress compared to when I first started working with it. I think it's a lot harder to deliver a site now. When I look at what people deliver, I think it's harder on the on the user than it used to be. I spend a lot of time to try to customize the admin. I pretty I pretty much white label the admin and just bring in pieces that they need. But I think that the way the stroll, role structure is set up in WordPress, I think. For somebody who's like running a, a regular website, like dealing with all the widgets and all those things, like it's it's more than people necessarily want to deal with. Yeah, and Matt kind of makes mention of that in his announcement post of the, uh, if you remember the old MP6 project. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then version 3.8 um, also kind of brushed up the admin that the admin is as nice as it looks, and it's very intuitive to us because we're probably in there every day. Um, isn't that intuitive? You put a user down in front of WordPress admin that's never touched WordPress, and they're gonna they're gonna stumble quite a bit yeah. trying to get anything done. Um, and I think that you know he kind of makes the hint that this allows us to kind of really break out of that mold and do something completely different without worrying about what the WordPress admin does. So, um, which so that's where might I might take what, a little bit of pressure what, off, right? I think what users are going to be using in the end, I think, is going to be different than Drupal and WordPress. It's going to be more like what we're seeing with this Calypso release, where people are going to create their own custom admins. And even a thing like Bootstrap, like essentially, you look at there's like so many themes for an admin based on Bootstrap. There's, you know, people start to get used to those things too. So it does change the user experience as people use one platform more than another. But I think that stuff, we're just going to see that break out of WordPress except for like the more hardcore admin user will be the person that uses WordPress. Yeah, I think, you know, this changes. I think it's iterative. I think it's, um, there's cycles, right? And the user base of two, four, five, six, seven years ago is going to be very different uh, than it will be two, four, five, six years from now, meaning not just in the sense of the web overall, but WordPress, Drupal, and the whole nine. If you start to look at the, the folks that are getting involved with uh, WordPress as an example today, there's a lot of young folks and their kind of interaction there's going to be very different. The, the adoption is going to be very different. Um, you know, you, you look at um, fo- now they're developing stuff. You look at some of these guys at WordPress, uh, Tech Volts, and uh, even some of the articles that you've seen on Pippin's uh, plugins around some of the things that, that are being created for WordPress by these young folks. Their vision is very different than ours. Um, so that interaction is going to change. Yeah, definitely. And as you mentioned, TechVolts, like that, he's a kid that is like amazing. He's 16 years old. If I don't know if you guys, yep. you probably have met him, right, Nikhil? Yeah, for sure. He's awesome. I mean, he's 16 years old. He's already like, he interned with iThemes. He's interned with Pods CMS. He's interned with Gravity Forms. The guy is like learning from like the best in the business and he's 16 years old. And he just recently purchased a plugin from Pippin. 
And it was something that Pippin didn't put a lot of time into, and he just felt like he needed to see if somebody else wanted to take it over. So he purchased it from him, and he's, he just released a new version of that yesterday. But even I talk to him all the time, and he, he's already looking beyond WordPress and the things he has to learn to be able to be competitive with developing web apps. He's, you know, he uses WordPress as the base of it, but he's looking beyond that. And it's pretty cool to see 16-year-old kids that have already, like, taken in all this knowledge, and they're already, like, moving on to, you know, things bigger than we ever even thought were possible. What were you doing when you were 16, Dre? Uh, that's no comment, and you are not allowed to go speak to any of the officers in my county. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I see, you know, teenagers and, and, and younger kids, like, just doing really cool, amazing stuff, and I'm just like, what the hell was I doing? Like, you know, I, you know, I certainly had jobs, but it was like, you know, what you would expect you know, fast food or, or working at a grocery store stocking shelves or something just to kind of get, I, I, get a few bucks. Yeah, I worked at a construction yard, man, picking up, you know, 14, 14 yeah. 16 foot rebar onto a truck. It was not <laughs> awesome at all. Maybe you should go back to that. Sounds Whoa. like some good work. <laughs> just kidding. I think um, in life, like, we're trying to find that thing that we're passionate about. And I think, like, for Dre and I, like, if I could do jujitsu all the time, I would do it all the time. But. It's not. Yep. I have to. I have to figure out how to. You know, I still have to eat and Get have the bills, to man. Uh, yeah, but no but I think for a kid like Nick, he has like learned. He's figured out what he wants to do at 16 years old, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, I it, I really look at technology and like where it's at, and sometimes it's hard to remember where it was at. You know, back when we were younger, I mean, I grew up, you know, as a teenager in the mid 90s, Internet was just starting. You know, I was like one of my first friends to have the Internet. Um, nobody really knew what it was. We thought it was just like a thing for chat rooms, you know, like um, so there were a lot of really interesting opportunities like that to learn. Like I was into computers, I was into tech, I was into programming, but like, you know, I was doing basic HTML you know, sure. for like a site. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So it's really cool to see how far technology's come. So it's kind of lowered the barrier for entry. So, you know, there's there's kids out there that, are, you know, starting million dollar companies and they're like 12 years old, 10 years old. It's just like, holy shit, you know? Yeah, it's but amazing. to me, that's motivation, right? And I was kind of disappointed that he didn't get picked up to speak at WordCamp US because I think he has a story that, like, no matter how smart he is, he's still 16 years old. Yeah. He still <laughs> yeah. hasn't lived life yet. And I, when I was in the military, I was a Chinese linguist, and people, when they find out I speak Chinese, they're always like, oh, my God, isn't that hard? And I'm like, yeah, well, stupid Chinese babies learn it, right? Like, I mean, how hard can it be? Well, stupid Chinese babies, that will not be our show title. <laughs> Jeez. But, you know, I mean, stupid, like, what, but, like, you know, we all have IQs, but people with a severely low IQ can still learn to speak the language. So it's not that it's hard. It's just that you have to want to do it and, yeah, like, make it play hard. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This just in, operatives in China are DDoSing dradcast.com. Oh, man. That's not good. Drag. Yeah, that's, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, hopefully we get an opportunity to hear Nick's story uh, next WordCamp US. I know there was a massive amount of, of presentations. It was quite an undertaking. Uh, over 200, I think around 250 submissions. Um, so I, I would certainly like to hear his story, too. I did, and that seemed like that was hard. So I can only imagine. Yeah, I just, I just like to hear these stories because I think if you're 40 years old and you hear this 16 year old kid talk about it, he's been yeah. doing it for three years. Like you have to realize that you can do it. We had a, a, a kid come to WordCamp Philly. I want to say this was two years ago, maybe three. The years are getting a little blurry, but um, I believe he was 12 at the time. 12 or 13 and and he came he was really into it man he came to contributor day and they you know some of the core devs sat down with him and helped him get some code get a patch into wordpress and i think at the time he was the youngest contributor uh, wow. but just had a passion for it and didn't necessarily always know what to do but i mean he could if you just gave him a little bit of information he didn't want you to figure it out for him just get point him in the right direction and be there to help him a little bit and he would do it it was pretty amazing some of the stuff he was doing it was really cool really inspiring yeah, that's like Nick. He's got, I think he's got 15 patches to core. He's got a patch to PHP core. He's got a bunch of patches to, I think, EDD as well and pod CMS. He's done a bunch of stuff through his internship there. I mean, the kid's got code all over the place. That's rad. Gosh. Yeah, I have uh, like a piece of code from like, I don't know what release seven years ago. I think that's <laughs> Dre fixed a typo, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like, here you go. Yeah. Hey, there's something in that. Just figuring yeah. out the process to submit it is a whole thing. You yeah. Know? Whoops. Extra line break. Dre. Props. Woohoo. <laughs> 
All right. My name is Dre Armada. Hi, I'm Dre Armada. <laughs> oh, man. So, do you guys, hey, listen, with all this stuff going on uh, around the world, this huge debate breaks out uh, around encryption, its importance, how good it is, how bad it is, evidence to one side or the other. Um, they, you know, the debate really – well, I mean if you really track down back the story, the Obama administration really brought up the stuff after the, the Paris attacks. But it's been ongoing and it's just like a bunch of babble is what I've heard uh, across you know, Twitter, Facebook about it, about encryption. Like what's the deal here? Yeah, I mean I, I, I think my wife's getting tired of this one because every time I hear on the news <laughs> and they're talking about oh, encryption is, is – you know helping terrorists and and things need to be unencrypted and it's it's the you know the technology company's responsibility to to let people in it's just like i lose i literally lose my shit i start yelling at the tv it's just like it's just such bad information to be spreading because it's really coming from people who don't understand what they're talking about i mean to say that encryption is a bad thing um is is absolutely ridiculous i mean there needs to be encryption. I mean, things need to be encrypted. Imagine going on Amazon and buying something and there's no encryption because, you know, the argument is you need to be able to get in and see everything that's being purchased online. Well, do you want your credit card information unencrypted when it's transmitted? It's, it's really no difference, right? It's, there is sensitive data that does need to be encrypted. And I think asking for a, a backdoor for, you know, quote unquote, good people to get in, that's all you're really going to do is hurt the people that don't know what they're doing. I, I find it ironic that I was certified as a, 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 a crypto tech in, in the U.S. Navy. So I'm, j- I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, yeah. You got a little bit of experience with this. Uh, it's yeah. frustrating, right? I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, I've, I've traveled abroad, like traveling abroad. And if they confiscate your laptop, uh, you have no encryption. We're, we're talking a little deep, deeper rooted encryption here, you know, at, at the, the hard drive level, for example. Like, you're going to tell me I can't do that because I can't carry that type of stuff in the U.S.? Uh, I, I don't know. Where does this go from here? What precedence does it set? I think where it becomes an issue, it's where, where it tugs at people's heartstrings is the idea that you can use WhatsApp and we can run a terrorist cell using WhatsApp and nobody our government level can see it that's what people's concerns are and i think that's the that's like the sky is falling technique that people like cnn are using to try to right. try to push this sort of idea you know the, the the problem there is that you look at the paris attacks and the discussions that were discovered from all of the operatives involved here were coming across you know in the clear text channels they weren't even encrypted yeah so yeah, yeah i mean it's it's crazy, and even if there were, you know, WhatsApp, if there were was a way to kind of unencrypt those messages, um, you know, what is that going to do? If they're not stopping it when it's unencrypted now, then imagine, you know, billion times more data unencrypted and trying to stop even more. Like it just, and when it becomes unencrypted, you move on to something else. There's, there's, there's always ways around whatever is put up. I mean, it's no matter what you do in technology, if you put up a wall, someone will find a way around it, or under it, or over it, or through it. It's a it's just it's it, you know you're chasing your tail at that point and you're not gonna that isn't the solution i yeah. think it's just frustrating because i feel like us like i feel like we understand it i feel like our audience understands it my concern is the 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 non-technical people out there they hear the news headlines they see the news clips and they and they are immediately like yeah yeah that makes sense and they don't know and i almost wondering if there's things we could be doing as technologists and an enthusiast that could help kind of get you know educate people in this space it's hard because the newscasters will always they'll always figure out what you haven't taught them and and play to the play to the scare tactic. Yeah, the fear. That's I mean that is their their job to scare the shit out of you so you tune in every night. You know, there's a, there's another side to this too. Like when Obama talks about encryption, there's some level too that if you when you look at it from like a like a war planning perspective or from the uh, intel collection perspective you you want people to work in certain realms too so maybe saying something like this is just to tell them that they can work there and that they can work there safely and then now we can gather comms and there's there's a lot that goes behind every time the president says something so i think you have to take everything with a grain of salt sometimes it's a little bit of a propaganda thing and they're trying to push people in a certain direction too most certainly <laughs> yeah, that's funny
Yeah. Well, well, we talked about the media. I find it funny. I saw uh, uh, an image the other day, and it's this snake pulling a fish out of the water, and it and it says the media would report this as courageous snake saves drowning fish. I mean, like that, <laughs> that to me is just awesome. That's uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i might have to keep this guy on on on, uh, on, on the ready <laughs> uh you, you're talking about the the gobbler or kiko <laughs> Both. Yeah, he's like the the mat that's terrible uh, uh predictions the new year is coming and within a month we're going to be seeing a lot of predictions coming from a lot of people also uh, a lot of um, uh new year resolutions that are going to be broken within 24 hours of the new year uh but there are seven incredible predictions that were put out by Tesla Motors CEO. Uh, your, your favorite. How do you pronounce his name there, Brad? <laughs> oh, you're putting me on the spot. Um, Elon. 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 Yeah, that's it. Elon. Uh, I think. Well, I think these, these are some pretty cool predictions. Number one, and I don't know which order they go here, but uh, number one, Tesla cars will reach 620 miles on a single charge by 2017. So that's. That that's pretty damn far. That's for me. That's Vegas and back, and almost halfway back. That's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, in a good way, right? Like that's that's huge. I mean, t- true or false? I hope it's true. I mean, six hundred twenty miles is a long distance on a single charge. I feel like once, um, you know, once we get to that point, you know, electric cars are still kind of this new thing. Like a lot of the manufacturers are getting behind it. Tesla's obviously the leader in the space. Um, and they're really kind of bringing the price point down too to kind of get make it a little more affordable for the average you know household. Um, but you know right now they're averaging around uh, the Model S averages about 265 miles to put it in perspective. So we're talking about you know approximately three times as long. Um, I mean that's I, I feel like when we, when we start reaching four, five, six hundred miles on a single charge, that is going to seriously disrupt the market. Because then it becomes something people are really getting serious about looking at. You know, the, I think- chal- the challenge isn't even that the market market would be able to come and purchase those things. So at at scale, our biggest challenge in seeing an influx of of electric uh, or clean vehicles across um, uh, most of America is the grid and its capabilities to be, be able to charge these things at at capacity yeah. uh, at scale. It just doesn't exist. I worked for uh, Sempra Energy for a couple years, and that was the biggest issue. And they were talking about maybe by the 2020s, we'll have a grid capable of handling uh, maybe triple of what the percentage of electric vehicles were at the time, whatever that number was. But it just the the, the grid is so damn old, decrepit, and broken that it just yeah. wasn't feasible to bring them in at at a fast enough pace. I so think that's, demand that's demand will change that, right? Well, hopefully, demand will fast track that. I guess is the way I say it. Like if there is enough demand for it, you know, people will get shit done. You know what I mean? Oh, if, there is, if half of America is saying, "What the hell? I need charging stations everywhere." It'll happen. I mean, you look at cell phones as a great example. Like when cell phones really took off and became somewhat affordable, what we're talking late nineties, early two thousands, when you know most people started kind of getting cell phones, um, the grid was terrible, right? I mean, you were roaming if you walked a mile from your house or outside the city, and now yeah. it's like you don't even think about it. It's just like, well, I don't know the years, but it is federally uh, governed, right? There is a um, uh, or federally re- regulated, so there are dates and times when they have to reach certain. Uh, uh, the energy companies have to meet certain milestones in terms of the grid and its capabilities. Good yeah, stuff. That's going to change. That's going to have to change a lot. And oh, yeah. if he's saying it's going to happen by 2017, it, it's it's not even a question in my mind. It already happened because <laughs> if he's saying it's going to happen in a year, they're already yeah. It's not that far. Yeah, it's not that far. At already all. producing them. Like he has, he already owns one that'll go 620 miles. <laughs> he wouldn't say that otherwise. It's he's, not, uh, he's trying yeah, to get Vegas to put odds. Figure this out. Yeah, it's already done. He's trying yeah, to put Vegas to put odds on this so that he can go bet <laughs> and say, oh yeah, by the way. Here it His is. goal is about two thousand miles. Let's keep that. Let's keep yeah, that. Yeah, that six twenty is a done deal. That's done already. And Tesla is like they they are the biggest consumer of nickel metal hydride batteries in the world. And twenty seventeen, they're opening like their super plant that will be the largest producer of nickel metal hydride batteries in the world. Hmm. So they're going to push this technology like crazy. Yeah. So the twenty seventeen, I mean, it's already a done deal. What are unless that unless that warehouse is empty and they have no plans yet, dude. That's like. <laughs> 13 months from now that's that's, that's nothing <laughs> number done. two number two on the list here by mr tesla motors uh is all cars will be fully autonomous by 2025 so I, that to me feels like it's in reach well before then to be quite honest well it's already within reach he already made the car that does it now it comes down to it comes down to how do we push people to do this how do we make this affordable for people and how does the government 
play into this because safety is a huge factor. Sure. But there is a lot of dirty money in politics from the automotive industry. Yeah. So how is this all going to go down? That's what I think will keep it from 2025. The technology is already there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, this is cool. <laughs> like, this is cool stuff. You know what I mean? Like, we're talking about cars that drive themselves, like, within a few years. I mean, 10 years with, isn't that long. You could go buy it today. You could go buy it today. You could today do it today, it but I, I agree with you. There's a lot of red tape. I mean, there's a big thing going on in California right now where they're trying to figure out how to manage self-driving cars. Like, they got to get through that, and that, you're right, is what's going to slow it down, not the technology. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't even buy a Tesla. I live in New Jersey. You couldn't even buy a Tesla here because that they was had made it illegal. But that's that was your governor, my friend. Oh, not my governor. I didn't <laughs> well, hope. Oh, boy. Let's, let's get it. <laughs> no, number three on the list is Tesla will be worth more than Apple. Oh, well, Tesla will be more worth more than Apple. Like, that's that's a whole lot of cash on hand, man. That's, that's a bold prediction. I mean, I... Apple's worth a shit ton of money. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? They don't even know. They have so much money, they don't even know what to do with it. I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's far fetched. I think it, I, I. I should say it is. It is a lofty goal. I think it's obtainable. I really think the next few years, you know, you get the 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 distance driving up, you get power grids all over the place. You know, we fix these things we've just been talking about, and I, it it could happen. It's not. It's not even really a goal in my mind because for it to be a goal, it has to be measurable, like attainable and measurable. And they give no timeline. So to yeah. me, it's BS. Like, will it be worth more than Apple? You can never prove that that's not accurate. They, yep. They're always it's, – it's coming. It's coming around the mountain any day now. Yeah, and this comes from a, you know, first quarter conference call. Um, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, So yeah. it's, you know, might be nice to talk up your own, your own stock a little bit. Well, They are going to take over some stuff though. And we're going to see – like I think the company that should be scared of Tesla right now is Uber because as they grow this autonomous fleet of vehicles – You'll be able to buy a Tesla and put it out, you know, you pimp it out and put it out to work for you at night. <laughs> yes. Send it out and have it drive people around. You'll come back in the morning. They'll be puke in the backseat. <laughs> like, what am I waking up to? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'm to... home by 8. I got to go to work. Discounts to... if you're a part of WordCamp US 2017. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, ground transportation will go fully electric. I think that's a freaking no-brainer at some point for that to happen. Yeah, I mean it's it's the same thing with the you know the the cars. I mean at some point you know you see uh, a lot of mass transit. I'm in Philly. You know a, a lot of our systems here are all electric. Um, you know it's already headed in that direction. It's just a matter of the the old infrastructure and up, updating things, and and it we'll get there for sure. Ah, uh, for sure. SpaceX will reach Mars by 2026. I think it'll I do it this. before then. It'll happen before then. I love this. I, I think going to Mars is so cool. I also just watched The March in that not that long ago. But, um, I mean, just the idea that we can go to some place. Like, going to the moon is already kind of mind-blowing. But the fact that we're, we're even talking about time frames to go to, um, uh, to send people to another planet is just, I mean, mind-boggling to me. It's awesome. I hope it's so. good thing he's doing it. If he wasn't doing it, I don't know who would be doing it. Yeah, I'm yes. glad he's pushing, and, and uh, Jeff Jeff Bezos over at Amazon also has kind of his own space thing going on, too. So now there's a little bit of healthy competition, which is always yeah, good. Yeah, it's the space wars again, right? Space Instead of race. Russia and the U.S. It's the <laughs> U.S. versus too, U.S. It's two it's two, two citizens. It's crazy. Yeah, that's it's cool. And, and NASA, that's like, what, a decade before NASA's predicting it? They're predicting it in the 2030s. I mean, that's it's pretty neat that the uh, – the the private sector is really kind of into the space the space side of things. It's great that he's figured out a way to make money from it. That it's not it's not just hemorrhaging money. I think uh, I think it's going to happen well before then. Number six on the list: humanity is on the verge of a demographic implosion. Holy shnikes! That's a that's a scary title. <laughs> I mean, you know, he mentions when the number of people who are retired is very high relative to the number of people who are net producers, the social safety net will not hold. Um, you know, we're seeing bits of this with the baby boomers now, you know. I mean, we're seeing a, there's a lot of retirees out there and more every single day. Um, and there's going to be – there's a lot more baby boomers than there are, you know, younger younger kids coming in the world. So it's, it is going to be a little bit out of balance. It already is. Yeah. So I somebody told me recently that Verizon has more people retired than working for them. 
Wow. That's, that's, a, that's wild. I mean, I would probably say the same thing about a lot of the car companies, too. I yeah, mean, yeah. And you, you see it. Ford and GM, and they've been around forever. They have so many retirees. My dad's one of them. Um, and even our government, like when you look at military retirees as well, and that's, you know, they're struggling with that, too. People people just live longer the more we go, the more we the more we figure things out medically, people are able to live longer. And, you know, for a number of different reasons, but they didn't forecast that well mm-hmm. to be able to to be able to support these people all the way through. And I think that it's pretty much a universal thing. He's 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 a pretty smart dude that Elon Musk. I mean, he, he gets it. That's the kind of guy I want to see run for a president, somebody that like I can trust their decision making. I don't even understand these clowns that are running for president. Like it doesn't even make sense. Oh, uh, that's a total shit show. That's uh, a different topic. <laughs> a whole, whole, whole podcast in and of itself. I'm going to end this segment with the last one, um, uh, prediction uh, from from Elon, and that is that computers will keep humans as pets. Uh, I mean, shit, that's a given. You know, this uh, is like. Uh, <laughs> now we're getting to some Skynet stuff here. Um, it's already happening. How many hours do you spend a day on your computer? We are already uh, prisoners in this war, my that's, friend. That's a deep thought with Dre right there. <laughs> but isn't there always still that man behind the curtain, though, the wizard that's kind of running the whole show? Or does he does he create this machine that he can no longer control? It's like the true Frankenstein. Maybe Elon Musk changes his name to computers, and that makes it completely accurate 100%. If he's saying it, it might already exist. I mean, this is, you know, who knows? Yeah, every, everything else he said pretty much exists already. Right? <laughs> already like Jerry said, we might already be pets and not even know it. Yeah, that's a that's a long leash, my friend. Let's let's uh, let's shift gears here for a second, folks. I want to talk about uh, the one of the most scalable WordPress hosting platforms in the world in Pagely. Pagely.com. For those who don't know it, uh, Pagely's been around a long time. In fact, they were the first uh, WordPress specific hosting platform to come out in our great space of WordPress here. They've got some new features. They're offering two-factor authentication, which is pretty cool, at least from my perspective. I like uh, the whole security bit. I think it's important. Um, you, you see it across Google. You see it across Facebook and, uh, and other uh, services out there today. This is, uh, this is a long time coming. They're doing a good job of making sure that your data is all secure. They're also doing in-house DNS work now with PressDNS. Automatically route your users' requests to one of the page and cache nodes closest to, that, uh, to you for fast response times. Um, lastly, one of the areas that they've been focusing on is virtual private servers and giving the ability for rapid deploy. Uh, you can now deploy Pagey VPS in any of their nine regions instantly. Uh, if you're serious about your WordPress website, you need a serious host, and that would be Pagey.com. Head over there today to get started. Jeez, this has been a hell of a show. Uh, I think, Brett, <laughs> gobble, gobble, I think it's time to uh, to get into to word up my friend it is so we got a new segment this week we're calling word up and it's pretty simple we'll say a phrase with a little blank in there and we'll fill in the blank and see and 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 add any other thoughts we might have to it as we go um so let's try this out and it's either going to be the best thing we've ever done or or the worst thing it's there's there's no middle ground here so living on the edge let's 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 live it on the edge we're gonna we're gonna move pretty quick here so kiko will let you kind of kick these off and i'll say it i'll give you the phrase i'll give you the blank and first thing that comes to your mind and feel free to expand if you want to so the first one black friday is blank a day of rest a day of rest Dre. Ooh, a day on the hills taking uh taking stank eye onto the rocks uh, I think Black Friday is is ridiculous. It's another Friday, and I really don't understand. You know, to be honest, I'm seeing ads that a Black Friday starts Thursday at 6 p.m. Like what? Wait a minute, <laughs> what? I saw an ad. It starts Thursday at 6 p.m. ends Friday at 1 p.m. Like your Black Friday ends at 1 p.m. on Friday. What? What the hell is going on? Like it doesn't make any sense to me. Because we care about our employees and we want to send them home to spend time with their families. Yeah, if they cared about it, they wouldn't start on Thursday. But exactly. it's, it's a little ridiculous. If you don't like it, don't support. Stay at home. If you don't care, then you're gonna do what you want to do. Anyway. I, I uh, almost. Before we kick on, I got one last thought on that. I almost <laughs> got arrested a few years back when I went out with my oldest daughter Hallie. This is pre-jujitsu days. Uh, Did you choke somebody? Uh, no, but I did punch him in the jaw. The guy oh, pushed my daughter down to the ground while she was trying, trying to grab a couple cables at a Best Buy. Uh, and there's that. We can move on now. Wow. <laughs> All right. Next up, Elon Musk is our generation's blank. Steve Jobs. Ooh. 
Uh, you Ooh. stole that from me. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> the guy's the the it, uh, he's changing the world uh, one day at a time in, in a way uh, that only the, the likes of Steve Jobs and such uh, could ever do. Uh, it's it's going to be a neat neat thing to see uh, when I'm old uh, w- what's happened to the world because of this man. The thing about Elon Musk that like I can't compare him to Einstein or to Newton or anybody is because I don't understand what kind of teams those guys had. Like did Einstein have like a team of people working with him? I don't know. I just don't know that stuff. But these guys are like leaders and like Elon Musk isn't figuring this all out on his own. He's finding really smart people and pushing them to to do their best. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say visionary. I really think he is. You know, I agree with all your points. I mean. There's a great quote that I always remember by Henry Ford that, that says, if I had to ask people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. You know, you, <laughs> exactly. you, you need people that are thinking beyond what we can see and what we can feel and what's happening today and are thinking well into the future. And everything he does is is thinking that way. And it's just so cool to see a lot of stuff he's coming out with. And it's, you know, it's making it work. work. The space you mentioned, they're, they're making money. You know, Tesla is working like it's growing. It's 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 pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Next up, the best part of Thanksgiving dinner is blank. Leftovers. I like everything when it's leftover and from Thanksgiving. I don't typically eat leftovers, but Thanksgiving leftovers. There's just something special that, about them. That day after sandwich where you just slop all of Thanksgiving onto a big, you know, two pieces of bread and eat it. Yeah, open face sandwich with some gravy so, over the top of it. Ugh. So I'll just clarify what you just said then, uh, Brad. The best part of Thanksgiving dinner is Black Friday. That's what you're telling me. Because <laughs> left leftovers the next day, baby. That's right. Yeah, that is right. Well, to me, I don't know. I mean, the best part of Thanksgiving dinner, um, I got to be honest, I think football and falling asleep during football is pretty awesome. Like, it's just it's what I do. I eat. I watch some football and I fall asleep on the couch, and it's uh, I enjoy doing it. So, yes, um, it's always great every year, and I'm looking forward to that. And last but not least, this is a fun one. If Matt Mullenweg ever owns up and gets on the mat with Dre... Dre should choke him out with a blank. A bow and arrow choke. <laughs> I was going to go with a Darce choke, but a bow and arrow looks so much more dramatic. You know, I mean, yeah, I got to like be honest. Ragdoll. I was very wishy-washy between the two chokes myself, but um, is is like a keyboard cable. Is that is that part of – is that doable or no? Is that – we, we can name it's not it. BJJ. Hey, look, uh, jujitsu is, is morphing every day. We can make up a, a move named the, the keyboard cable, but it doesn't oh, exist man. today. I, I, hey, the, the, the bow and arrow choke and what was the other one? Those sound pretty cool to me. A darsh, darsh choke. Darsh yeah. choke. Well, maybe someday Matt and Dre will get on the mat and, and roll around and do some jujitsu together. That'd be, uh, that'd be pretty fun to watch. And that is, wraps up our Word Up segment. Well, I will tell you today has been an awesome episode with Kiko. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna call you Dora, uh, according to Brad. Uh, <laughs> appreciate you coming on board to, to host the show. It has been awesome. Where can people find you, Kiko? Uh, you can find me pretty much Kiko Doran at anything Twitter, Facebook, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm also a part of the Prestige Conference, and you can check out stuff there. PrestigeConf.com. I have a great team of people. I kind of specialize in a couple little pieces of it, but it's an amazing conference that we bring together people that love to share information and pass it on to other young entrepreneurs. And it's a pretty cool environment. We're coming up on our fourth one. So anybody that is into running a business or into getting better at running a business, it's a great place to go. And I think that the tough part is, you know, people who are running businesses, like trying to get them to realize that there's still so much to learn. And just like jujitsu, it's like every single day you get better at it. And sharing information really helps push the whole ecosystem forward, I think. So it's a, it's a cool time. You guys have uh, all been there. We're huge supporters of it. Yeah. And there hasn't been a single one that I have attended that I haven't learned uh, from everybody there. So I, I highly recommend it. And I look forward to the future events that I, I hope to be a part of because I think it's it's an important part of, of us learning as business folks in uh, in our community uh, from here from here for now to, to a long time from now, hopefully. Yeah, and the next one's coming up. We haven't really announced it too much yet, but it's going to be on May 24th and 25th in Minneapolis again. We're going to do one every year in Minneapolis. Whoa, so, whoa. Would you, would you say that's breaking news? It, it, I guess it is I, breaking news. We put it on the we put it on the page the other day, but we didn't even tweet it or anything oh, because we don't have tickets for sale or anything. So. Breaking oh, that's, news. That's breaking news. Breaking news. 
Yes, I get to use my new sound effects. And we just brought on Jennifer Bourne. She's in Hawaii right now, but she'll be coming back, and she's going to be taking over the content stuff for us. So expect to see that stuff really come forward, and we're going to start releasing some of the old videos and putting them out so people can just share the information. It was never meant to be close old information, so we want to get it out there and share it with as many people as we can. That's great. Like Dre said, Dre and I both had the opportunity to speak, um, and not only did I have an amazing time speaking, but also learned a lot from the other presenters and just from uh, other attendees. You know, it's a great... It's it's a great conference, so definitely check that out. What's the what's the website again? Prestigeconf.com, is that right? That's it. That's it. And uh, it's well, for those wondering, it's a premium business and career development conference and the next installation's coming up May twenty fourth through the twenty fifth, twenty sixteen. The new year is upon us in short order. And we're uh, moving it during the week, so it's a little bit of a change. It had always been on the weekends because in my mind it kinda came out of I had organized word camps, so I thought, Oh, we'll just keep the weekend thing. But we're moving it during the week, the idea that people that do business they like to be home during the weekend and spend time with their families. And it is work. You're there learning. It's career development. So Yeah, I think that'll work well. I'll tell you what. It's been a fun episode to be hanging out with you. Jeez, um, we'll see you next week in uh, Philadelphia, WorkCamp US. Stay tuned for another episode coming soon uh, next week. Watch us on Twitter at Dradcast. If you're wanting to sponsor, sponsors at Dradcast.com would be the place you want to email us. We'll like, uh, we'd love to hear from you. For the Rad and Dread, I'm the Doctor. Thanks for joining us on episode 083 with Kiko Doran. Have a good one, folks. We're out. Thanks for listening. If you have content for the show, want to submit to be a guest host, or just want to listen to previous shows, visit DradCast.com. While you're there, make sure you click the iTunes subscribe link to catch us on iTunes. Don't forget to follow at DradCast on Twitter. Join Brad and Dre for a new guest host next time on another episode of the DradCast.